0: The Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. this edition of the Philippe Matthews Show, and watch your life grow. Hey, we're
1: back, ladies and gentlemen, on the Philippe Matthews Show. Uh, today is a uh, spectacular day. I have one of my uh, most read, most taught, uh, most learned uh, mentors uh, with me on the phone today. Uh, he is the author of uh, the new book, The Wealth Choice, Secrets of Black Millionaires, and his name is Dr. Dennis Kembro. How are you, my friend?
0: I am doing fine, Philippe. Thanks for having me on your show.
1: Uh, thank you for being on the show. It's an honor and privilege to have you. Uh, as I said before, I think this is your best work. Uh, we're going to probably have to do a part one and part two because i got a lot of questions, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. You uh, you did a little travel and spent a little bit of money trying to pull this book together uh, because I think you interviewed every black millionaire that exists.
0: Yeah. well, there's, there's, 30, there's thirty-five thousand of them, and out of thirty-three point four million African Americans, it's both good news and bad news, Philippe. I mean, the good news is when Martin Luther King led the Montgomery bus boycott, there were only five black millionaires in the United States, and I was privy enough to interview three of the five, and I shared their story in my first book, Thinking We're Rich: of Black Choice. Mm-hmm. Now you now you fast forward the videotape sixty years. And you have 35,000 black millionaires and five black billionaires. And I'm trying to, you know, share this story in the wealth choice. Now, the reason why I say good news and bad news, though the number has grown, when you look at that in a pool of 33.4 million African-Americans, that only equates to one-tenth of one percent. When you compare our consumption dollars and 9,000 elected officials that we place in office, and all the opportunities that we have, we should have produced no less than 300,000 black
1: millionaires. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is important uh, to have these kind of uh, stats, these kind of numbers for us to look at and for us to ponder and wonder, uh, when when did you decide or begin to, to write this book?
0: Well, I, I decided back in 1975, and I've had a number of conversations, and I looked at my uh, third book, What Makes the Great Great, and mm-hmm. I looked at the, uh, the you know, the um, I had nine virtues of greatness, and I looked at the, the seventh virtue, which focused on wealth, and I said that, you know, This might be the the, the beginnings of a book by itself, but what really set it in motion was a conversation that I had with Andy Young, Ambassador to the United Nations, and he said more than 50 or 60 years ago, me and Dr. Martin Luther King, we integrated the lunch counter, but we never integrated the dollar. And My follow-up question was, well, how do you integrate the dollar? And he says, you've got to give people the keys and the the skills of how to live and how to compete in a free enterprise, capitalistic society. Mm
1: -hmm. so
0: I said that, you know, I just took that question and I ran with it. And what I did fully, I used three uh, tools in my research. And I told my wife all the time, this is the first time I wrote a book that I could actually use my training. So I Mm -hmm. wrote a survey. Uh, When Tom Stanley wrote The Millionaire Next Door, and I know you're familiar Mm -hmm. with that book, He he, he used three primary sources of data. He used Census Bureau, U.S. Trust Survey, and IRS. And based upon a conversation, his second year into the research, he had a conversation with a couple of social scientists at the Census Bureau. And during that conversation, they not only told him how many white millionaires in the United States, they gave him zip codes. So Stanley went back, wrote a 247-question survey, and based upon the zip codes, he attached a dollar bill to a survey and stuffed mailboxes in that zip code. And the bottom line, he got an unbelievable response right back. Well, Philippe, my second year into the research, I went down to the, the regional office here in Atlanta And forget giving me zip codes. They didn't even know at the time how many black millionaires in the United States. So I later found out through the Federal Reserve 35,000. So I wrote a 118-question survey, and I tested it. After I wrote it, I gave it to a couple of folks who I I knew were seven figures, were part of the financial elite. And then after they completed it, I asked them, I said, Am I onto something? Am I asking the right questions? Are there answers to questions that you would want to know? Are the uh, questions too long? Are they too lengthy? Am mm-hmm. I, you know, uh, getting into proprietary information? And they said, no, it's fine. And after I, I got blessed by about three or four black millionaires, I ran with it. So, number one, I used a full-blown survey. Number two, I had six focus groups around the country. I oh, had really? one in North Carolina. I had three in Atlanta. I had a huge one in Washington, D.C. I had one in Nebraska and one out in Las Vegas with just a handful of black women. And then last but not least, uh, here come the 50 to 60 interviews. Now, Philippe, you got to be mindful. When I started out, I purposely avoided athletes and entertainers. And people ask me all the time, and I said, because I was interested in wealth, not income. But there were some folks who you obviously – had to include. And uh, I got Steve Harvey. I got uh, Damon John of Shark Tank. I got L.A. Mm -hmm. Lee of X Factor. I got Tyrese Gibson simply because he spoke in my class a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. So um, I cast an obvious net. You know who all the major players are. And uh, for the most part, the surveys were done and completed totally anonymously. So I think that I can tell you after a seven-year study, I can tell you unequivocally that wealth is not the function of circumstance. It's not the function of condition. It's not a function of who your parents were, what side of the tracks you were born and raised. It's not a function of how the cards were dealt, but it is a function of choice and it is a function on decision and it is a function of effort, faith, innovation, and creativity. And Philippe, those people who have won most in life have relied mostly on themselves.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, just to name a few of the 60 that you that you uh, uh, interviewed, I mean, they're, they're, they're so diverse. I mean, from Tyler Perry to Herman Cain, uh the Les Brown to John H. Johnson, Steve Harvey, T.D. Jakes. I mean, each of those individuals are, you know, brands and island, islands of their own. There's nothing really interconnected uh, between okay. the two brands. So yet... There is, uh, what one would say, an invisible connection, uh, and the question to you would be, what is that, uh, or is it more than one?
0: Well, I mean, there, there are a, a number of, um, I want to say, attributes or competencies, and, and what I found, again, over the seven-year study, I found seven best practices that these men and women adhere to, if they don't do it on a, uh, an, uh, you know, a daily basis, they certainly do it on a weekly and monthly basis. And, mm-hmm. and again, going, again, going back to the hard research, these men and women, 99.9% of them, are, if not 100% of them, were dead broke at one point in their life, and some were even below broke. Mm-hmm. But, poverty, mm-hmm. but poverty was never going to stop the man or woman on the move. Mm-hmm. And what is so critical about this study is that the story must be told. I mean, Philippe, here you have your, the bulk of your financial elite that went from poverty to, heat, to hitting their financial goals and objectives, and no one put a microphone or a ball in their hand to do it. Mm-hmm. That by itself is groundbreaking. Why? Absolutely. Because all you got to do, you can go to any urban neighborhood from New York to California, and you can just walk through the neighborhood and you see what we see and what we listen to. You can mm-hmm, see the mm-hmm. impact that that particular segment has on society, mm-hmm. and, that's why, and that's why this study is critical. In 1899, W.B. Du Bois, black America's most prolific scholar, wrote a book called The Negro in Business. And what Du Bois was attempting to do at the turn of the century, he was attempting to survey and interview successful business owners trying to find out key competencies and attributes so they could be replicated. And for the most part, what did Black America do? Black America took took his book and put it on the shelf, Didn't even open it.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What
0: is the end result? A nation of consumers. We are Absolutely. the only ethnic group. Who can, yeah, yeah, we're the only ethnic group that can't write the check.
1: That's right. Any That's other
0: right. ethnic group can write the check.
1: That's
0: I mean, right. you got four hundred right. major black organizations, and Philippe, you and I both know that they will meet once a year for their annual convention. And every single one of them has got to get a corporate sponsor to to hold that convention. Every mm-hmm. single one. We can't write the check for one single organization.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, you know, you bring up a, a, a powerful point, and 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 that is why is it uh, even after we have uh, achieved a, 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 a black president, why are we still, in my opinion? Uh, Still, so closely uh, uh, related to and under the conditioning conditioning of the slave mentality.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there are a host of cultural factors that go into that.
1: You know, I'm just going to go there. Let's just break this thing down, and let's just talk really serious about it because, yeah, you and I travel the world, travel the country, and we see black America, and then we see – the world that we live in with these these uh, successful people, business owners, and millionaires, and the, the, the dichotomy is staggering. Oh,
0: without a doubt. But what I was going to say, Philippe, that is a reflection. Nine times out of ten, net worth will be a reflection of self-worth. You mm-hmm. probably won't find you won't find any difference it's a one to one correlation. And if you're looking at a people who've been beaten, who've been battered, who've constantly overcome obstacles, who are constantly being challenged, constantly kicked to the curb and under the bus, their self worth is going to take a beating. So number mm-hmm. one, we have got to shore that up. Now, I'm you know what I'm trying to say is yeah, you may not be responsible for getting knocked down, but you're certainly responsible for getting back up. So the onus is still on you. Now, I can be empathetic and I can be sympathetic. We've had a tough road to hoe, and Mm -hmm. we've done a yeoman's job as a race. What we have done, you know, holding on to to anything and everything when there was absolutely nothing to hold on to, what we have done, but there's so much more work to be done. And that's probably the biggest story is that there's so much more work to be done. I mean, I found seven best practices. And number one, standing at the center of gravity is knowledge. So if knowledge is the first law to wealth, and we only graduate, if that, if that half of our black high school students, then we can't even get to the other
1: six because we violate the first law. Sure, sure, sure. Well, this is interesting you say that. All right, who is this book written for? Uh, And the people who need it most, will they pick it up and will they read it?
0: That the, is there, Your second is question is a, a great room. question. Yeah, this, this book is written for movers and shakers, I mean, regardless of color. Yeah, it says black millionaires, but you go to Amazon, and this book is in three categories, and only one of them is black. I mean, this book is like in the top ten in, in terms of African-American studies, but it's also in finance, and it's also in, in, in economics and investing. And it's Mm -hmm. doing well in both those categories. And I know some of that has to do with the Napoleon Hill Foundation being on the cover. But the bottom line is you can learn from anybody. So who is the book written for? It's written for movers and shakers. It's written for those individuals who want more and want to do more. Now, I will tell you what this book is not about. This is not about your basic finance book. Philippe, I'm not telling readers to go get a legal sheet of paper, draw a line down put a place on one side of your assets and the other liabilities. Instead of uh, drinking a cappuccino on Starbucks every day, narrow it down <laughs> to two. I'm not Yeah, I'm not saying that. Right. As a right, matter of right. fact, this book a no, how to financial it, manual. Yeah, this book is not about cash. This book is about courage. Mm-hmm. You see, it takes mm-hmm. courage to chase your dream. It takes courage to save 10 percent of everything that you earn. It takes courage for you to find a new set of friends because your current friends don't empower you or, or are toxic or drag you down. It that's takes courage right. Yeah, it takes courage to forsake the day for tomorrow. Now, who needs to take this baton and run with it, and that's definitely the black church mm-hmm. well, oh,
1: now, that's interesting that church. you would say the black church. Because, uh, in some ways, uh, and in many ways, and it has been well written, uh, that, uh, the black church has been somewhat of a bane of existence to, uh, the black movement and, and, and the upperly mobile
0: yeah well the, the the bottom line the bottom line is Philippe is that you know the the bulk of black people are looking to the Black Church to teach them about financial literacy, but here is the key, and why do I say the black church because the black church is strategically positioned? You and I both know that only fifteen percent of African Americans work in corporate America. You mm-hmm. and I both know that only one out of five African Americans work for the federal government. So that is a small percentage of folks who we would call professional folks. Mm -hmm, And you mm -hmm. and I both know that Walmart is the number one employer of black America, and McDonald's is too. And both of them are based on minimum wage. That's where the bulk of black America works. But where is the one place where the professional folks on one side in corporate America and for the federal government, would meet the the uh, the min, medium uh, income. Excuse me, the um, uh, the the. Well, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. The minimum wage folks who work at McDonald's and Walmart. Where is the one place that they would meet? Well, they meet for 30 to 45 minutes every Sunday at church. You got it. And,
1: uh, you got, got it. That, understood. Understood. That's where yeah. they congregate.
0: Yeah, that's where they congregate, and that's where the baton has got to be passed. And this is the sheet of music that you will play off of.
1: The wealth yeah mm, I love not that the well
0: said. yeah, yeah the wealth choice may not be the best choice, but for ninety nine point nine percent of us, it is our only choice eighty five percent eighty five percent of black America earns less than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year
1: mhm 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 for more now, for
0: more than for more than ninety percent of the race,
1: our financial situation hasn't changed since the Civil War. That's right. That's very true. Uh, what I found also interesting, uh, Doc, is your uh, uh, aha moment uh, and awareness uh, when you were sitting across from John H. Johnson, and he asked you a question. You want to share that with our with our readers? Yeah,
0: he couldn't, he couldn't even wait for me to get out questions. I mean, there I am. I mean, yeah, I, I loved him. Great interview, but right off the bat, jumped all up in my Kool-Aid. You know, and Mr. Johnson, I, Mr. Johnson, I know that time is precious, and I want to thank you for giving me a, a portion of your day, but I'm writing a book on wealth. And as soon as I said that, young man, why aren't you wealthy? Why aren't yeah. you rich? Why are you coming to me asking me these questions? I mean, you tell me you got a Ph.D. from one of the best schools in the country, and here you are, you tripping over opportunity. Why ask me about this? Go do it for yourself. On and on and on and on. So the book begins with that, and then when the, in the epilogue, it ends with that. It ends with that one-hour conversation with I had with this paragon of wealth. And what he said to me is so apropos, he says, today, as a race, we can eat what we want to eat. We can sleep where we want to sleep. We can stay in any hotel that we want to stay in. We can send our children to the best schools that money can buy. The only problem is we can't afford to. Mm. He says, but until you are free economically, you will never be free personally. Mm-hmm. And that's what Andy Young was telling me about. This game was never about sitting in the front of the
1: bus, Philippe. It was about owning the bus. Right, 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 right. Well, going back to John H. Johnson in your book, he says, "If you want people to know how they feel about themselves, look at their bank account." He says, "Money is the greatest measurement of your mindset." I thought that was that just threw oh, me. I man. had to stop. I had to stop yeah. for a minute. It was one of those quotes you just can't just read through and then go to the next sentence.
0: Oh yeah, without a doubt, look. The poor keep score by cars and clothes, the middle class keeps score by degrees and titles, but the wealthy keep score by the bank account.
1: Mm. Unbelievably amazing. So so what do we do? Um, interestingly enough, you interviewed Herman Cain. During the campaign, and, and this is something that um, uh, a lot of people have, have, have been talking about, and that is uh, throughout the entire campaign and even throughout uh, Obama's administration, no one has ever mentioned uh, the poor. They all talk about the middle class, but they never talk about the poor. Do you have insight into that? Well,
0: I mean, the bottom line is I can give you all the data that you need to know about the poor. I mean, 27% of black America spends more on a weekly basis than what they bring in. 30% of African Americans have no savings plan at all. 35% of black children will not only be born in poverty, but will be raised in poverty. Mm-hmm. More, than 40, more than 40% more than forty of African Americans don't even use a bank or a financial institution for their, their daily, weekly, or monthly banking transactions. So mm-hmm. I can give mm-hmm. you all the data where we are. Philippe, when you look at every economic indicator that would lead to or spell financial success or prosperity, black America, if we aren't in last place, we're in next to last place. I don't care whether it's home ownership. I don't care whether it's high school graduation. I don't care whether it's employment. That's where we are. But the bottom line, you don't have to stay there. We are. The, if you took us out as a separate entity, as a nation state, we would be the 16th wealthiest country on the face of the earth.
1: Mm-hmm. Philippe,
0: you've got 72,000 black churches in the United States. And of those 72,000 black churches in the United States, they collect on a, every Sunday 10 to $12 million in tithes and offerings, 50 to $60 million a month in tithes and offerings, wow. a, half a, a half a billion dollars a year in tithes and offerings. And you're telling me you're poor? Hmm. I mean, you, tra- you, you, you travel from New York to California, and you go into the urban area, and what's the first thing you notice? The first thing you notice is a church on every corner. Mm-hmm. But it goes mm-hmm. back It goes back to what Du Bois said. Du Bois said in the Negro business, the individual who won't control his finances won't control anything else. Mm-hmm. And because, mm-hmm. you can't wrote, because you can't write the check, you won't control anything else. And what Du Bois is talking about, he's not talking about economics. He's talking about quality of life. So because you don't control your finances and you go into the inner city, whether it's New York or L.A., and first thing you notice is a church on every corner. And even with a church on every corner, Black America is number one in the world in teenage pregnancies. Mm-hmm. We are number we are number one in the United States in new HIV cases. Mm. We are no, we are number one in the United States in bankruptcies. Won't control anything else. You got to be able to write check.
1: I feel that don't. we are in um, a fiscal Darwinism in a sense that. Uh, and and if you want to, uh, you know, go into a deeper metaphor, I mean, we're looking at, at at Noah and the Ark at epic proportions. That there's just going to be uh, a huge uh, displacement of those that are left behind if they don't get this message in control of their finances. Do you do you agree with this?
0: Well, I'm not going to say going to be left behind, but this is a wake-up call. And who is sounding uh, uh, the, the siren, the clarion call? It's China, because whoever leads the, the economy on a global scale calls for shots. And what is mm. China calling right now? China saying it's all about STEM: science, technology, engineering, math. So even with a displaced worker, or even with the um, the minimum age worker. You know, tomorrow, 95% of all new minimum age jobs are going to require some degree of STEM skills, science, technology, engineering, math. And if we are not training for the future, then we will be left behind.
1: Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, do you feel like we're kind of like a, uh, you know, I remember talking years ago with you uh, about the digital divide. That was when the Internet was first uh, revving up. Uh, now we're in a whole new level of technology, and what I noticed is, is that uh, I kind of call it a digital depression, and it's kind of like the poor people uh, who have and can't afford a cell phone uh, or, or a tablet uh, or access to the Internet feel that they are part of the world and part of the economy, but they're really not, even though they are connected. And so there's kind of like this digital depression that's going on where they feel that they're a part of society, but they really are not, and they really don't understand that how do you how do you address that?
0: Well, I mean number one, you know, and I'm not blaming anybody, but sooner or later, you have got to make a decision. I had a great interview with Victor McFarland, McFarland Partners. Like I said earlier, Philippe, you've got five black billionaires in the United States, but you had five other individuals who were on par, on task to, to join billionaire status, but they couldn't hold it for the last recession, and one of them was Victor McFarland. Here's mm. the guy with, yeah, McFarland Partners out in the San Francisco Bay Area. His business is about $600 million. But during the interview, he told me that he was, uh, you know, uh, raised by a single parent, a mother in Middletown, Ohio, which is a blue-collar, working-class community. And uh, he was raised in a one-bedroom apartment. And his mother had a couch in that apartment. And for the first 12 years of his life, that couch substituted as the bed that he and his older sister would sleep on. Mm -hmm. Well, when you shared that with me, my first inclination was, damn, Victor, that had to be tough, man. That had to be rough. And when he saw where I was going with it, Felipe cut me off at the knees. He said, Doc, I don't want any empathy. I don't want any sympathy. As a matter of fact, those were probably the best 12 years of my life. And I said, Translate. He said, It was during those 12 years that I made a conscious decision that poverty would have no place in my life. You mm-hmm. see, it's that, it's that mm-hmm. mindset. It's mm-hmm. that mindset where, yeah, I can overcome, that I am in control. And I saw the same thing again with Donahue Peebles. Donahue Peebles, as you know, is a real estate developer up and down the East Coast, the mm-hmm. Palm Hotel. And before, you know, I, you know well, I'm, when I interviewed him, I cracked a joke just to sort of, you know, liven, get the juices going. But I could tell on Second Blush that he really didn't appreciate the joke, but he laughed. He didn't say anything, but if I had to do it all over again, I would have kept my mouth shut. And <laughs> I said to him, and I said to him, Philippe, to break the ice, I said, Don, I said, how does it feel to be the black version of Donald Trump? Well, mm. he laughed and he said, he said, oh, professor, that's a great question. But you need to ask Donald Trump, how does it feel to be the white version of Donahue Peebles? Nice. And I said, what do you, he said, what do you mean? He said, well, Donald Trump, got into this real estate game, his father bankrolled him for the tune of a half a billion dollars. That's right. When, That's I, right. When, when I got into this real estate game, the closest I got to real estate was my grandfather was a doorman at the Marriott Hotel in Washington, D.C. Right, now you, tell right. me who, now you tell me who started off at zero and who didn't.
1: Exactly. Nice. Nice. So that was That's a lesson learned. That's huh? the mindset.
0: That is the <laughs> mindset. <laughs> it always it. goes back to knowledge. Wealth begins in the mind. But ends in the purse.
1: So what are we going to do about generational poverty? These kids, you know, I don't know if we can save the adults, but I mean, if the kids are born into this. How do we get to them? Because their minds can adapt to this, to the to to uh, uh, the wealth choice uh, immediately. Uh, and how do we get that to them?
0: Well, you got to heighten awareness, number one. You know, num- number two, I mean you got to pass the baton. This is not, you know, this is a relay race. This is not a race where just the fastest we're going to win. we got to make sure this baton is passed from one runner to the next. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, the, the bottom line is what Booker T. Washington said years ago, Philippe, start where you are with what you have, knowing that what you have is plenty enough. And it doesn't kill your soul to be a capitalist. I mean, if you and I lived in a socialist society and we were operating in a socialist society, you and I would have no problem saying we're socialists, right? Mm-hmm. If, if, if you and I operated in a communist society and we were living and are being in a communist society, we would have no problem saying that we're communists, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here we are in the United States living in a capitalist society. Why is it so tough? For that word, capitalism, to roll off the lips of the average black
1: American. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: It doesn't mm-hmm. kill your soul to be a capitalist.
1: Mm-hmm, Actually,
0: mm-hmm. There there, I am in T.D. Jakes' <laughs> book, Mind Study, and I'm looking at every book on God's green earth you would ever want to read, examine, or study. And what do we know about T.D. Jakes? Well, number one, they told me he would never make it in the ministry. You know, he didn't finish high school. He went back to get his GED. He has a heavy list. They damn near ran him out of Charleston, West uh, Charleston, West Virginia, with only eight members. And now he builds the Potter House, a $45 million mega ministry. And mm-hmm. I bring all that up in our conversation. And he says to me, my detractors went altogether wrong. The list is still there. But I don't care whether I had to spit, I don't care whether I had to stutter, I don't care whether I had to stammer, I had something to say and I was going to say it.
1: And Mm -hmm, I said, well, Bishop,
0: -hmm. Bishop, now's your opportunity, Bishop, say it. He says, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Teach him how to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. But show him how he can buy the pond and no one in his family will ever know struggle. It's Mm -hmm. time to buy the pond, brother. It's time to buy the pond.
1: I'm loving this. I'm loving this. This is a completely different uh, uh, mindset. It's not a different mindset from your past books. There seems to be um, uh, a sense of urgency and a very, very clear focus. It's not a a bunch of of, of, of necessary principles. It's just basically a very clear-cut mindset uh, that creates an emotion Uh, that failure is not an option here?
0: No, not an option, and it's not open for discussion. It's not not an option, not open for negotiation. This is what we have to do. This is what we've got to do. The bottom line is it's time to make a difference, and there's only four things in life you want to do, Philippe. Number one, you want to make a difference. Number two, you want to make a difference with others who want to make a difference. Number three, you want to make a difference with others who want to make a difference, doing something that makes a difference. And number four, you want to make a difference with others who want to make a difference, doing something that makes a difference at a time when it makes all the difference in the world. Because Mm. The Wealth wealth Choice is not a new book, because every other ethnic group is having the Wealth Choice conversation at the dinner table. We're the only ethnic group that's not having this conversation.
1: That's right, that's right, that's right. Every other ethnic group
0: is discussing this at the dinner table.
1: Um, I had the opportunity of interviewing Terry Williams, uh, who wrote the book Black Pain. In fact, I have a a quote in that book. And um, when we were conversing about it, uh, it was fascinating because she basically said any African American that is suffering from lack of limitation, uh, financial struggle, struggle, living paycheck to paycheck is, uh, by all uh, practical purposes, depressed. Um, there is, uh, even now after the uh, economy tank, uh, even before that, there is a global depression amongst African Americans, which keep us away from the work that you do and the logic of the work that you do. Mm-hmm. uh how can we penetrate that in the in the depression conversation? Because it's going to come to you. Somebody's going to say, "Look, Doc, yeah, I am in survival. I'm just trying to feed my kids. I don't know how I'm going to stay here in my place, and I, I'm just too, you know I don't have time to read a book. Yeah, uh, wh- wh- you know, I'm too depressed. What am I going to do?
0: Well, number one, you're going to you know you know look at the fifth law of wealth, which is anybody can serve. How may I serve thee? And I don't care where you are in life, Philippe, anybody can serve. Anybody can add add value. Anybody can wow the customer. Anybody can decrease cost. Anybody can do more than what is expected, more than what is required. How may I serve thee? And anybody Mm -hmm. can do that. And service is the price you pay for the space that you occupy. And like I said, anybody can serve. What is mm -hmm. the greatest competitive advantage, Philippe? The greatest competitive advantage is to display and exhibit leadership in every area of your life. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. You want a stepping stone? You want to step up? You want to go to the next level? Then promise me you'll be the most powerful, you'll be the most positive individual in the room, wherever Mm -hmm. you go. Mm
1: -hmm, No
0: one mm -hmm. wants to hear that. Mm -hmm. Oh well no no one cares about your problems and ninety percent are glad that they're your problems, not theirs. No (laughs) one cares about that.
1: (laughs) All right But the one thing that
0: you what the yeah (laughs) but the one thing but the one thing that you have is the attitude that you can play off that day. That's the Mm -hmm. one string, the one note that you can play.
1: So what are you doing differently? What are you doing differently, Doc? As a result of the seven years of research of this book and now the manifestation of this book How has your life changed? What have you implemented in this book that you have not done in in, in previous?
0: Getting the message out. And, Philippe, if you came, I'm in my office at Clark Atlanta. I'm about to leave. And since I've been here in 92, you have never seen any of my books on my syllabus. I'm not one of those professors who writes a book that makes the students go out and buy it. Nope. Now, I have Buku and plenty of students who will go out and buy my books and bring it in. Oh, Dr. Kimber, can you autograph this for me? Can you autograph this for my mom? I'm going home spring break. She has your books and blah, blah. That, you know, if they want to do that, that's fine. But with this book, it's different. Mm. Now, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that I place this book on the syllabus, but I just don't place this book on a shelf and I don't talk about it. I talk about it all the time. I profile it all the time. I use it all the time because there is a sense of urgency.
1: Speaking of that sense of urgency, and I feel it as well, I know you do, but I want to ask about the the millionaires that that you interviewed. Not only, I guess, a sense of urgency, is there a sense of, like, utter frustration well,
0: during the, the that, interviewing that, phase, that
1: we're not uh, uh, moving our people along far enough. Exactly.
0: Far enough. Exactly. Is there and I saw, there saw frustration there? Yeah, and I saw that a number of times. And if I didn't see it, I felt it,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: in the in the number of interviews that I had. You know, okay, so what's taking the process along? When are we going to read the email? Uh, when are we going to get it in gear? And, again, I'm not saying it bordered or smacked on blaming the victim, But I tell people all the time, Philippe, if you could only read one chapter in this book, make sure you read the calculus of compensation, the second Mm -hmm. chapter, because Mm -hmm. that is all based off of the focus groups. And that's where the bulk of the millionaires that I interacted with, and it's all about mindset. Mm -hmm. It is that chapter where I take those nine different variables. If one of the variable is money, I tell you how the have not views it and how the have use it. So if the variable is money, the have not, spend it, consume it, you know, act rich, you know, uh, that's the have not, where the have, save it, invest it, act poor. You know, if the independent variable is education, the have not, K-12, through the have, lifelong learning if you could only read one chapter, that's the mindset, and that's where all the change takes place. Mm -hmm, Everything, mm -hmm. everything, listen, everything, you know, everything starts in life. Everything in life, you know, happens twice in life, first the inner, then the outer, first the thought, then the thing, first the mental, and then the physical. And then to the extent that you control what goes on the inside of your life, you'll control what goes on the
1: outside. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Dennis Kimbrough, I love you to pieces. I want you to come back on the show. Uh, and That's a bet. That's
0: a bet. I will be back.
1: And, and let's talk about this uh, even more, uh, and maybe even open it up for Q&A, uh, so we can really have a great uh, uh, debate and caucus about this and really bring this awareness uh, to the masses. How can people get in contact with you? What is your web address? How can they get the book? Uh, is it in different form? Is it in audio format as well as uh, uh, print? Yeah, it uh, yeah, with
0: it's Kindle. yeah, it's Kindle. It will be in audio. You can go to um, Amazon. Make sure Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Amazon will give you the best deal. Um, com. And uh, I'm out there. hit me up on Facebook. Hit me up on Twitter. Uh, I'm on the uh, Internet, you know, virtual highway 24 7.
1: Are we going to see uh, some type of uh, 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 wealth choice movement uh, in, in, our, in our schools and in our churches? Are you, are you going to be traveling with this throughout the country and exactly. throughout the
0: world? Exactly. I will be uh, speaking at the Black Enterprise Conference uh, this month. I will okay. also be speaking at uh, George Frazier's Power Networking Conference in June. I will also be speaking at the uh, U.S. Black Chamber Conference